0: Tries Life Podcast, where we show you that women are capable of absolutely incredible things with the right tools, strategies, and mindset in place. I'm your host, Victoria Smith, and I'm a stress reduction coach who's all about helping you significantly reduce your stress so that you can actually enjoy your daily life. Now, today on the podcast, we are joined by Amber Brodziak. So I first met Amber by attending one of her Bar Body Studio classes. You might remember we had the owner of Bar Body Studio on the podcast, uh, Marlo Browse, and I'm not going to lie, I feared Amber a little bit. Her classes were good, but my butt would be so sore for days, which means it was a great class, obviously, and she would push you hard, but you would still leave with a smile on your face. And soon after that, I discovered that Amber runs Calgary Therapy Services, a counseling organization in the cutest location. You walk in the doors and you feel so calm and prepared, which is exactly what you want when you're seeking support. I know this because I've been through counseling many times. Now, Amber and I discuss how she got into counseling in the first place and how she actually discovered it by happenstance. She talks about how we can fight right with the people in our lives, strategies that she uses to decrease stress, the importance of boundaries, you know I've talked about this on the podcast before, <laughs> her favorite personal development resources, and so much more. So huge, huge thank you for to Amber for joining me today. Now, the Girl Chise Life podcast is a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, which is powered by ATB. Speaking of power, in Alberta, you get to choose who you buy your energy from. And if you choose Park Power, that's where your money stays. If you choose Park Power, your money stays in Alberta. Plus, Park Power shares its profits with local not for profits that are working to make a difference for their communities. Shopping local is super important to Park Power's owner, Chris Kosowski. And we love local here at the Alberta Podcast Network. So it's a really great fit. So learn more about Park Power at parkpower.ca. And I kind of had an exciting thing happen to me today. I'm actually I got approved. I'm going to be te- I'm going to be presenting at the uh, teachers' convention in Lethbridge this year. And so, do you know what? I wanted to tell you about another one of the podcasts in the Alberta Podcast Network that has everything to do with education. But to be honest, they would speak to it better than I would. So here is Ed. <music> So you're listening to right now is a member of the alberta podcast network and you know what so is ed it's a podcast about the teaching life teaching can be a lonely profession but ed is out to change that each week i connect with an educator about the things that are important to them whether it's tech the power of failure lgbtq issues or anything else you can find it on itunes spotify or wherever you get your podcast from ed a proud member of the alberta podcast network powered by atb So show notes for today can be found at girltrieslife.com forward slash podcast dash 128. And without further ado, let's head into the interview. Well, thank you so much, Amber, for joining us on the podcast. I'm really pleased to have you.
1: Thank you so much for having me today. So we were just chatting
0: before, like I am a huge, huge believer in counseling, very passionate about it. It has made a big difference in my life. So I'm curious though, how you got into it, because that's a lot of like heavy stuff to take on on a daily basis. So what pulled you to this career?
1: Well, I think it's a number of factors. I grew up actually I'm, it's weird to say this or think about this, but wanting to be a police officer. Oh yeah. Yeah, so um, through high school, I was... Going down that road, and my mom actually really didn't want me to be a police officer at all, just worried about the danger aspect. I had an aunt who was a social worker and had worked her entire life doing that, and my mom advised me to talk to her about it. I started to look into it and just see how much there is to do. So I have a master's of social work degree, I'm not a psychologist yet, but um, I didn't realize there was counseling attached to that. I started social work, and then I was still pulled into law, so I actually had planned to go and get my law degree. I wrote my LSATs and everything like that. Oh, I wow. was ready to complete my Bachelor of Social Work degree, and then I ended up going to do my practicum. Yes. So my practicum was at a counseling agency, which really scared me, and I, at the time I thought... I do not want to do this at all. This isn't me. Just get me to law school. That's what I'm going to do. What then ended up happening is within three days of being at the counseling agency, I was like, this is what I want to do. This is for me. I can't believe I fell into this. I almost bypassed this. Um, Screw law. I'm done. I want to be a therapist and a counselor. That's awesome.
0: Yeah. Did you have to do much upgrading after that or like, was it? Literally everything that you had studied, you were able to sort no, of No, yeah. Into so
1: I completed my Bachelor of Social Work um, after that practicum. I then was hired on with that counseling agency, and then right away I applied to do my Master's of Social Work. Yeah, yeah so I worked full-time and did my Master's doing That's that. a lot of work at the same time. Yeah, I can't believe how I did that um, now, but I'm glad I did. I got yeah. my Master's really early, really young, and then after that... I stayed at that counseling agency for six years. Um, it was just a generalist counseling agency in Saskatchewan. Yeah. And then I met my husband, who we then both moved to Edmonton. I worked as a school-based mental health therapist through Alberta Health Services. Then I went to learning and development clinic for kids as young as six, all the way up to 18, working with kids and families. I then moved to Calgary and went to the Adolescent Day Treatment Program through AHS as well. yeah. And then within the last uh, two to three years, I've been slowly building private practice on the side. And so now here I am doing this full-time now.
0: That's so exciting.
1: Yeah, it is exciting. It's scary. Yeah, oh yeah. Very scary. Entrepreneurship, <laughs> definitely scary. <laughs> we were yeah. just chatting before about yeah. what we have to sacrifice and do and shift as yeah. entrepreneurs for sure.
0: Yeah. So what is it about... Working with people because I, I like it, these are tough issues that you're dealing with. So, how do you not get sort of sucked into it? Kind of thing. Like, I mean, obviously, you know boundaries better, therapists know boundaries better than anyone. Yeah. But I would still think it's hard at that, you know, to stop your day at a certain yeah. time and not take that home with you.
1: I mean, it's taken years. So, I've been doing this for almost 15 years. It's taken. A long, long time for me to sort that out. When I was first starting and getting to hear people's stories and pain, I remember going home and crying, right? Why is my life okay? Not that my life was perfect in any way, but why do I have a bed to sleep on and food in the fridge? And this person is working so hard to provide that for their family. And really, over time, you learn around the resilience of people and what people can manage and how they pull through and really the one day at a time kind of notion around that. So don't like get me wrong I still am up at night really thinking about some really difficult cases or some pain that people are struggling through but I have learned to compartmentalize and to come back and allow people for them to do the work themselves right and you know I know I can only do so much yeah. for them right so that's the part i think that has been the biggest learning for me years before when i was really young i was like i have to fix and be and do everything for these people yeah. right and now i know that my job can only go so far yeah right and they need to lean on to other resources other professionals other aspects of the community and do different things for themselves yeah. as well
0: I often think of whether it's counselors or coaches or whatever as being the people that can ask the right questions to unlock that in someone else, but they need to step up to the table as well, right? Like we can't we can't fix everything, like you're saying. No As much as you would want to. No, I
1: know. And that's been the hard part. I am a fixer, right? I want to do that in every aspect of my life to a fault sometimes. And so helping people understand that they have the tools within themselves yep. has been really nice to see. And that's where the most most growth happens yeah. as well.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. So my passion in life is helping people to decrease their stress as someone who has been a former stress ball and burnout and all those delightful things. I'm wondering if you can tell us, I, I think a lot of people understand, like they can see the signs of stress physiologically like I I talk to so many people I'm like I feel the tension I feel tight headaches not sleeping all that kind of stuff and then they feel the strain of like it just feeling heavy but what's actually psychologically going on when we're
1: feeling that kind of stress so I'm gonna try do this justice in answering because it's just so complex right Basically, what happens with our brains, whether it's a real or perceived threat, conscious or unconscious, we live and function 95% of our day and our life in unconscious thought, right? right? So a lot of the time, we get a thought which drives to a feeling that it's a perceived or real threat. The hypothalamus in the brain produces hormones that... Um, go to the pituitary gland and then to the adrenal glands the adrenal glands then produce what we know it produces lots of hormones but the main one what we know of is cortisol yeah and what we know about cortisol it affects absolutely every cell of our body right so our brain our immune system the tissues and the bones right and so When we have that perceived threat, regardless what it is, if it's someone's coming to attack me physically or i'm not worthy both those are threatening yeah right cortisol is released and then over time whether it's chronic or acute our body learns around oh here's this new pathway right our brain loves pattern yeah our body loves pattern brain will create pattern and draw to it when there isn't one so if we think about an ongoing thought that we have the brain then says What's the stressful pathway that I've taken before? Let's jump on that again. And there we go. Right. So then the body begins used to developing that cortisol and our body takes it on in a variety of different ways. And everybody's different as well. And
0: it can lead to so many different things, right? Like you're saying adrenal fatigue is something I'm hearing a lot more of these days. Yeah. And that's just us having burnt out basically.
1: You know what? I'm not even sure about that. But I think from the research that I've done, the adrenal glands are firing that hormone. I think it's called cortotropic hormone. Yeah. Adrenal cortotropic hormone that's firing, which is producing mass amounts of cortisol. Yeah, And then, yeah, our body just takes that on and we get tired. We get exhausted. We get burnt out. We're sore. We're sick. Our gut health is affected by it. Yeah. It's all so interconnected.
0: So I guess if someone was in a state of like real burnout, I th- like there's so many different things you could, we could suggest they do to sort of get back to whatever their normal is and like whether that's dietary or any of that. Like what's your first kind of, if someone walks in and you see them burnt out, what are your first kind of steps for them?
1: Very first steps are usually around looking at their structure and routine. Yeah. What can we change to really tighten that up? And some people are really hesitant to let that go because they feel like, I want that flexibility. Please let me go to bed when I want to go to bed, when my body tells me. But what ends up happening is we are pushing and pushing and pushing ourselves, right? With expectations and pressures and the need to feel like we have to be or do something. So I usually start with, what's your morning routine? How can we tighten that up and create consistency around it? Um, what's your evening routine and how can we get you more sleep and winding down? And then within that, the three basic things I always start with is eating, sleeping and movement. Yeah. So and I'm not a dietitian or a nutritionist or anything like that, but there are, you know, a couple of big factors in eating that we go through. How much sugar, how much caffeine, yeah. how much alcohol, that type of thing, sleeping, how many hours are you getting? What is that looking like? And then movement, what does your... And movement looks different for everybody as well, right?
0: It's interesting what you're saying here about routine because you just said our bodies and our brains like patterns. Mm -hmm. So it's it's funny because I hear a lot of pushback from some entrepreneurs of like, like you're saying, I like that flexibility. I like being able to do what I want when I want, but our
1: bodies don't like that. That's right, yeah. Yeah. And our bodies will tell us that they don't like it, right? And it often comes up through sickness or, well, yeah, sickness and fatigue and illness and, you know, different types of pains, things like that. What do you think of
0: the concept of balance? Because I guess I'm not sure where I stand on it. I kind of feel like we're constantly ebbing and flowing one way or another. And that maybe the goal is to be somewhere in the middle, but... On a daily basis, it's not always possible.
1: Yeah. So, personally, for myself, I struggle with balance. I can and feel like I've been taught to go and go and go and go and go, right? So, from 6 a.m. until 11 p.m., I can fill my day with really productive things to do. That's not good for me. What I've learned personally from balance is the expectation and the acceptance that it is going to ebb and flow and the predictability of that, right? And beginning to feel what's happening with my environment and with me when I'm starting to ramp up. Yeah. How do I ramp down or how do I come down from that? And what do I need to shift? So that's kind of my personal thought on that. Balance when I work with people, clients in the room, usually the number one thing is we're looking at boundaries. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Boundaries with people, boundaries with work expectations and workload. Yeah. And what's stopping us from setting those. Yeah. And that would be the same for me personally yeah. too, my own boundaries, right? Like I can go and go and go because yeah. I feel like I want to do all these things when really sometimes am like, why am I doing this? What is this for? Oh, this is like my pattern that's kicking in yeah. that's telling me I have to do this yeah
0: can we actually touch on boundaries for a second because we, we've talked a lot on the podcast about like personal boundaries if the one and I was speaking on this panel the other night about burnout and the boundary most people I find are struggling with is at work mm-hmm. like how do you how do you say no or how do you set boundaries without losing your job or like giving that perception of like they can't hack it
1: Right. I mean, it is a delicate dance and balance and it takes a lot of practice. Usually what I start with with people is actually looking at their family of origin, Mm -hmm. even if we're talking about work. So looking at their family of origin and what are the messages and pressures and the belief systems that were put on to you. Accidentally, purposely, whatever it is, that you feel the need to carry those into all areas of your life. And what usually ends up happening is we're very similar at home, at work, with our friends, right? And so, how do you give yourself permission to say no? in an appropriate way and share what you need yeah. from like from yourself and from others too, which I mean that's such a complicated answer because that looks different for everybody. Yeah.
0: I find for me like it, maybe it doesn't sound like a boundary, but a boundary that I find helpful at work is like just not being in my inbox all the time. Yes. Cause it's like, I am not as productive yeah. if I'm constantly answering the emails and like setting clear times when I can get into my inbox mentally it just feels way better
1: (laughs) absolutely yeah well and going back to what we were talking about before in terms of like what are some of the first things we do with people coming in feeling stressed and things like that and it's setting routine I'll encourage people when is your start time for work yeah and when is your end time right and you know our phones which we talk about this all the time and I've heard you talk about it on your podcast before just around like they're the greatest things but also the biggest enemy at times yeah if you're rolling over in the morning and looking and seeing the circle with the number four or five yeah. or 56 or 102 on it yeah. you know like take inventory of what's actually happening physiologically in that <laughs> yeah. moment, you yep. know? And so it's being able to make decisions and being able to give yourself permission to say, I'm not starting to look at my emails or even worry about that until 9am. Yeah. And I'm going to be done at four, six, eight pm whatever it is mm-hmm. for you. Right. And staying committed to that. Right. And what is the fear? Often it's talking about what's the fear if we don't stay committed to that. Right. Well, if I feel like I miss this email, it's a missed opportunity. If I say no to my boss, they'll think differently of me. You know, I won't be up for this promotion or this opportunity that I've been working so hard. So it's really weighing out fear, sacrifice, balance, boundary, consequence, gains. Like it's all of that.
0: Yeah. And it's funny though, because some of the people I see that just say yes to everything, they don't look the happiest all the time no. and it's or like there's people that seem like they're high flying and then you see the burnout down the road and it's like if we compare ourselves to everything else going on we're gonna go crazy
1: it's true yeah right I spend a lot of time talking to people around this like the outside persona and the facade looks really great and just killing it yeah in this this in this area you know but behind closed doors Truly falling apart and feeling like a mess and overwhelmed, and not feeling like you can be the best partner or friend or parent that you wish to be because you're just burnt out. Yeah. There's that word again, right? That's happening for you, right? Yeah. Instagram. <laughs> I know. Yeah, your face. <laughs> I do it for work because I feel like I have to. I know. Yeah, I know. Same thing. My inst- my work Instagram account is terrible I feel like because I'm like I don't know what to say you know what are people gonna think you know it's yeah. this pressure that we f- have to show this like happy shiny life in all those little squares right yeah.
0: and yeah it's funny I mean this was more on my Facebook but I remember when my son had major colic I had been sharing the nice pictures and then one day I shared I took a picture of him red in the face screaming his head off because that was my reality the majority of the time. And people like surrounded me with help by doing that. Yeah. And it was like, it wasn't the end of the world to share something that wasn't going so well because people want to
1: help. Yeah, and did you feel like you had actually more validation and more support from that? I
0: had so many people, especially like, my mom, my mom's friends and that kind of yeah. stuff, everyone's saying this is totally normal. It had like, and it sucks yeah. Like, and validating that the way I was feeling was totally normal. Absolutely. And that, yeah, I found it super helpful.
1: Well, and I think you're bringing up a really good point. It's the risk in extending ourselves yeah. to that point to be able to say, here I am, things aren't perfect. Yeah. You know, we're all in this same kind of boat we're all in the same situation let's just talk about it yeah
0: so one of my favorite things about counseling is the exercises Mm -hmm. that uh, you get from it because I find while I can't necessarily remember everything that we talk about in a session usually I'm crying or anything like that (laughs) I you I I almost always remember the exercises and I can apply them in so many different aspects in my life what are your kind of like favorite go-to exercises for clients
1: it's evolved it evolves and changes over the years just depending on kind of the area of interest or where research is pulling right now, um, I'm very much into and feeling people are craving understanding their family of origin, Mm -hmm. right? And so looking at those patterns. So those don't aren't necessarily like take home tools. But what I try and really set up for people is the idea around, oh, you struggle with People pleasing because your mom also was a people pleaser and that was a high stakes value in the home, right? And how can we work towards decreasing that in your everyday life? Yeah. The other thing I really am doing lately is helping people identify their attachment styles. Yeah. So attachment also comes from our family of origin. It comes from our genes and it comes from our experiences that we have with people. Uh, there's primarily Four different attachment styles secure, anxious, avoidant, and disorganized. Most of us are anxious or avoidant, actually. Okay. And in relationships, I will say that 90% of people come to see me regarding relationships, whether it's romantic relationships or parent child ones or relationships with their family members and identifying the attachment style can really help you understand what are my patterns what am I drawn to why do I kind of strike or jump in at this time what where do I hold back here and really giving people just the information around who they are and then we start to unfold and change those things yeah
0: Because it's that knowing why you do the things that you do. Totally. Like, they're not excuses, but when you understand why you can actually do something about it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think that for myself, just in my own life, that was the biggest, most helpful aspect for me, you know, because I struggle with patience I struggle with control and I think I struggle with intensity at times right like as stress increases the dials on all those things will turn up for me and I grew up in a home with not poor intentions of those things but that is how we functioned and I know why it functioned like that now right and so just realizing that and pulling all of that apart has helped me realize like oh okay it's not I'm a bad person because I struggle with patience or control, Mm -hmm. right? Really, that's been the framework. That's the blueprint that's been laid out for me there.
0: No, you're right. Because like I can tell like (laughs) all the counseling that I have now done, especially since like burning out hard twice, like I looked back, you know, we definitely talked family of origin and it's like my dad was a workaholic he loved his work but he was a workaholic and that was what was sort of demonstrated for me and my mom is a giver
1: oh she will give so
0: much of herself and so I kind of find like those two together again like you're saying none of it's ill-intentioned yeah at all and there's so many amazing aspects of each of them but that's what I took away from like what it means to work is to like work give work give work give totally and It is not a surprise I've had shingles twice (laughs) when I think of it that way. Yes,
1: absolutely. Well, and your um, parents are very similar to mine, right? And so the balance of both of those and just like having to put over... 110 percent into everything that we do you know what I mean and always like for me it was go and then go some more and then we keep going and go and go right um and let's add this and this and this right so now having to say no is a struggle right actually no having to say no is work for me I have to really practice Mm -hmm. and do that um but I'm learning that as I do it, it becomes easier and I can shift away from previous beliefs.
0: Yeah. Oh, I
1: love it. Well, I'm definitely
0: going to go look at my attachment uh, profile. I feel like I know where it lands. Um, one of the things I keep hearing is that there's a way to fight right. <laughs> and like, especially like, I find that maybe this is just me, but having kids like amps up yes, the tension in a household, right? Completely. And and I hear this from all my friends as well, like your fuse is shorter. So how do you,
1: how do you fight right? I think the biggest thing that I work to help people understand is being able to look in first. When we're fighting, we're under perceived or yep. real attack, right? And so defense invites defensiveness. Mm-hmm. So... The biggest thing in the moment, so I spend a lot of time validating people, Mm -hmm. right? So validating first in their experience has to be number one, because you need to feel like, you know, you're heard, you're seen, and what you have to say is to be true. Following that, it's the questions around... What are you doing, right? (laughs) What's happening for you? How are you contributing to this? Because if you're not looking in, then it's just so much harder to problem solve and to work through something. So, and being willing to disarm and being willing to ask the question, what am I doing to contribute to this? Is it my tone? Is it my timing? Is it what I'm choosing, which battle I'm choosing to fight right now? Yeah. All of those things and then working to really see what can I change in myself to yeah. do that. I would say the second piece is finding empathy with the other person, which when I work with parents or couples or anything around this, people are like, no, do not ask me to be empathetic <laughs> with my partner right now. And that's OK. Sometimes people aren't ready. Sometimes that might take a couple weeks or a couple sessions for them to say, like, you know, I really was able to see this week the place that he was coming from Mm -hmm. within that right and what it was like for him versus me just worrying about myself right Mm -hmm. and then the other part I would say is looking to come together as a team and how are you going to be open and hear each other's concerns while being vulnerable and feeling safe if there's no safety fighting fair is really difficult and I think about that whether it's in a marriage or even at work. Yeah. Right? Like fighting fair at work is really tough because you don't have those close relationships or those attachments yeah. and that safety there. So that can look a lot different than our other relationships.
0: But it's interesting what you're saying about defense invites defense, because I think in those moments, what we want is that person to hear us. Yeah. And so if we're coming at it from a combative way, like you're saying, they, like that's, they're just not going to hear us. So yeah. we need to reconfigure
1: <laughs> yeah to get
0: what we want right
1: absolutely and what ap- what often happens in the moment when we feel like defending if I were to ask you to decrease that and look in and share what's happening for you yeah. people fear that they're not going to be validated or heard or the point that they're trying to make isn't going to be Fixed, right, or yeah. um improved, so then people feel like they need to keep pushing and pushing and pushing that same point, yeah, where if you can disarm and be more open, people are likely going to want to move towards you and lean into what you're asking them to change, yeah,
0: I wonder if it's partly because, like with kids, they push our buttons some like they push our they push mm-hmm. boundaries, they push our buttons, they do all of that, so like. We're just primed to respond and teach and lecture and, or whatever it is. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. Well, and if we go back to talking about in the beginning, so if that's the pattern that's happening in, in the home throughout the day and our brain is getting used yeah. to that pattern when our partner walks in through the door <laughs> at five o'clock or whatever time your brain's going, yeah. here's the pattern. Did you take the garbage out? Yes. Did you, yeah, 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 exactly. And okay. it's hard to shift, right? Yeah. But being aware of yourself and who you are and what some things you can do to change and what your trigger points are can be really helpful, right? So if when your partner walks in the door and says, how's it going? And you get to say, not good. I'm feeling pretty impatient and I feel like it's not going to be a great night. Mm -hmm. Um, because I'm so stressed and overwhelmed that can be so helpful because then the partner knows it's not directly about them. Yeah. But if they walk in and you're like, you know, like the garbage is still here, you know, and -and so-and-so is sick and I don't know what to do and I can't manage this all. Then the other person does feel attacked. Right. Yeah.
0: And that's interesting because it's just a little
1: shift. Totally. But it feels a lot in the moment because it feels... so big, Yeah, though. It is so big because it's asking you to be vulnerable and make it about you.
0: Well, and it's also asking you to pause. Mm-hmm. And I think we're just so used to react, react, react absolutely and pausing is hard yeah we don't we lo- we want instant right yeah
1: and going back to the brain the reaction comes from the perceived threat the emotional brain actually hijacks the thinking brain mm-hmm. so the amygdala in the brain really goes oh i'm fired up here we go we react yeah. the thinking brain the higher order brain on top of that the reasoning the logic the calming down yeah um the distancing, the thinking about consequences all go out the window and it's just emotions firing.
0: And it, sorry, everything that I'm hearing right now is reminding me of like parenting books and stuff I like know. that because I think it's the whole brain child. Yeah. Um And it, yeah, it talks about the child gets upset and they go into that emotional state and you have to like calm that down. Like you can't out logic them out of the emotion brain. Right. And, We're not that different as adults. No,
1: we are not. Yeah. You know, and I think... We need someone to help us organize our feelings. Mm -hmm. You know, I think that's one of the biggest pieces about counseling, right? People come and they're like, you know, what's going on? I'm so stressed. And I really just help people organize their feelings, which in a lot of those parenting and parenting attachment books will say, how do you organize your child's feelings? Help them understand what's going on for them and that what they're experiencing is okay. Yeah you know, I feel really lucky. I have a husband that understands me quite well. And so when he walks in the door, he now can Mm -hmm. read me pretty good and says, you know, what's going on. And he's learned not to get defensive about me being overwhelmed at the end of the day, instead of just helping me figure out. And he's learned also not to fix in the beginning. I, you know, it was years of me saying like, you just need to let me cry yeah right and he will say oh okay now and now he'll walk in the door and say do you just need to cry yes I just need to cry let me do that you know and that's all I need at the time yeah but that's someone organizing my feelings for me and understanding
0: oh this is exciting there's so many different nuggets I'm taking away from this okay um one of the other things uh like I did put the question out on uh Instagram for people that had questions about counseling and the top thing that came back was (laughs) someone in my life needs to see a counselor. How Mm -hmm. do I get them to see a counselor? And I have a feeling what you're going to say is like people need to go to it in their own time. And Mm I, and I agree, but especially for people who have a stigma around it or have never like have never tried it Mm -hmm. and they just seem to have this wall up about it what can the rest of us do? Cause it feels a little helpless when you know, that's going to be the thing that will turn the dial for them.
1: Right. Really complicated answer. Such a good question that my answer for that would be looking in and focusing on yourself, which is the yeah. hardest thing to do. I mean, I've been there and sometimes the stakes are really high, right? Like I've gotten calls and, inquiries from people around who their family members are in an intense addiction that may be fatal, right? Mm -hmm. And the work really isn't around how can we get that person in? It's what can you do for yourself around your own boundaries? Mm -hmm. Like I think boundaries for me this year, just within the clients I've been seeing is like the theme, Mm -hmm. but it comes down to what are you going to do where does your job start and stop and where does someone else's job starts, right? Whether it's their own work or another professional or a aspect of the community. Um, and how do you look in and what pieces are you capable of changing and controlling and what are you not?
0: Yeah. And I, I think sometimes when there's really close loved ones, it feels cruel not to be there for them at any point. Yeah, And yet, that we need that space to keep ourselves sane but it's that tug and pull of how we feel about ourselves by not being there all the time kind of thing
1: absolutely the other part to it is sometimes the more we do for others the less they will do for themselves yeah and so the really basic concept that I talk about with people when they come in saying you know I can't get them to come in or I can't get them to change or they won't do the work themselves. The really basic example I have is I hate taking out the garbage. I really hate it. And so I leave it by the door. Yeah. And magically, guess who takes it out? My husband does. So that was never a discussion about it i never when we bought our house (laughs) or started living together it never was like i'm gonna put the garbage here and then you're going to take it out every day but what would happen if my husband stopped taking the garbage out it would pile up and force me to do a different action Mm -hmm. right to start taking it out but there that happens with us in our everyday life all the time If I'm doing and doing and doing, essentially the big word enabling, right, helping you, um, I'm sometimes preventing you from doing your own work. I have to let, I have to unfortunately watch you fall and skin your knees and experience some consequences in order for you you to realize that you need to make some changes. Yeah. And that is, I will say... Some of the biggest, most stressful times for people is that really hard part of watching people go through consequences when really their pull is to try save them from that.
0: Yeah. So go into yourself and figure out what your roles are, what you can and cannot do, mm-hmm. where your job starts and take care of yourself in the process.
1: Absolutely. And control. Okay. Yeah. What do I, what do I actually have control over versus what's the illusion of control? Yeah. And is my control helping or hindering? Is my control actually serving me and my patterns and keeping me at bay and keeping me feeling helpful and useful versus actually helping this person get to where they need to go? Yeah.
0: I have one more question for you before we go into the final five. We were talking about worthiness and I'm reading this great, well, I just started it last night, but this great book called Do Less by Kate Northrup. Okay. And all about how like we do too much and as a result, we get way way too stressed out, especially women with childcare and all that kind of stuff. And it is very much tied to, we have been trained to feel that we're worthy when we do more. Mm Mm-hmm. What do you kind of suggest, how do you help people figure out what their worthiness is outside of work and doing things? Because we've been hardwired to do that.
1: Right. The relationships you have with people, which is tough because, I mean, some of the most painful experiences I have as a therapist is watching people walk through life with in relationships that are negative or that are abusive Mm -hmm. right and they don't have that counterpart or that secure attachment to bounce back to remind them that they are worthy regardless of what they are doing right and so By decreasing the doing, how can you lean on to healthy, positive relationships and people that remind you who you are just by being you is good enough? Yeah. Which that's such an abstract concept, right? Because people will say to me, I don't have anybody Mm -hmm. like that in my life. So then we start working through okay, let's go through the people in your life. And sometimes we do attract the wrong people for the wrong reasons. And then I hate to keep harping on this, but it's going back to sometimes attachment and family of origin yeah. on why I am choosing these people or why I'm drawn to these people. Right. And how can I lean towards healthier people that remind me and help me understand and trust my worth.
0: Yeah. So much good stuff. Good. to work through. I really appreciate it. So we'll move into the final five questions that I ask Perfect. Um, all of our guests. So the first one is what are the projects or the things personal, professional, otherwise that get you like fired up in a good way?
1: I feel fired up at work every day. Like even yeah. just having this conversation with you and just all the different little topics that we've touched on. Like I get so energized yeah. by it. The other thing. So I love work every day. It's so great and so fulfilling. I feel like I'm where I need to be right now, which is good. The other piece is teaching fitness. I teach fitness on the side. And if I could do that seven days a week, physically and emotionally and time-wise, I would. I absolutely just love that aspect. And I... The feelings and the drive and the energy that I get from that is unlike anything else I've experienced in my life. So, definitely those two pieces.
0: And Amber is a badass bar teacher for anyone who is listening. (laughs) Your classes are so good. Oh, I love teaching. My butt hurts for days, but in a good way. Good. Good. (laughs) Um, What's, I I see many uh, books on your shelf here, and I I do love a good personal development or psychology book. What's uh, one of the most inspiring? reads you've had in the last few years
1: so I knew you were gonna ask me this question and I could not think of one um there's just been so many yeah can I break the rules a little bit can I talk about a book that I'm excited to read that's been recommended to me um and maybe you've read it already Moody Bitches oh I haven't by Julie Holland so it's around um female hormones and physiology and like yeah talking about you know the drugs we're taking or not taking you know the sex we're having or not having yeah and and all of that and just why we are the way we are so I'm really excited to read that okay yes awesome
0: yeah I will have to add it to my to be read pile
1: it's in my pile on my nightstand very (laughs) yeah to be read but yeah
0: yeah oh exciting yeah what are we've talked a little bit about like diet exercise but like what are your specific go-to strategies for handling stress and
1: what stresses you out? What stresses me out is my to-do list. <laughs> it never ends. Yeah. I don't think does anyone's ever end? No. <laughs> Because if it's not written down, it's up in your brain. Yes. And so my to-do list stresses me out a lot. Expectation stresses me out. I feel like I have a tendency to lean towards wanting like perfectionism Mm -hmm. with things. And so... Which is
0: interesting because this is a career that you can't have perfection in. I know. People are
1: not... Yeah. Interesting. But... My pattern, right, (laughs) pulls me into that for sure, right? And I have to practice what I preach, right? Very, very hard. And I will say I don't have any of this all figured out. I don't think anyone has it all figured out, right? Um, Oprah? No. Not even Oprah. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, and things out of my control, like a sick kid, for example, that really stresses me out, right? My go-to's are sleeping is number one when sleep goes I go (laughs) um and so I have to and I do better going to bed early and getting up early versus Mm -hmm. going to bed late and sleeping sleeping in stresses me out I don't know why I think it's like the productivity part and what's been ingrained in me like you need to get up early and start your day Um, and I
0: need to be awake before my child or the day goes yeah sideways yeah
1: absolutely and working out for yep. me i have to move i have to sweat if i don't get to the bar studio or if i don't yeah. get to the gym or if i don't get moving in some way i can really feel it and it starts to build up i have to release yeah in that way and it is
0: that right like it's just that letting go of something because we're carrying so much throughout the day yeah
1: absolutely yeah
0: so what is the best life lesson you, that you've learned or advice that you've been given
1: The best life lesson I've been given is don't shrink. So I was working at Alberta Health Services in a really busy, intense treatment program for adolescents. I still work there, actually. Um, I'm on leave from that, um, just on maternity leave. But um, I was working with a psychiatrist who knows and understands the intensity, and what ends up happening in teams, I tend to take on this role where I want the leadership, so I feel like I'll rise, or my intensity will increase, and then I get worried or I'll get a comment or I'll get pushback and then I shrink and then my brain goes, oh right, you don't know what you're talking about. You're (laughs) not worthy. People don't like you. People hate what you're saying. Shrink, 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 right? I met with a psychiatrist just in terms of a regular case that we were working together on with a family and in consulting it. She said to me, she's like, I can see what you're doing. I can see what's happening Do not shrink right now, right? Because I was going up against an entire team around something. I I don't even remember what the example was, of course, but she had said, you got to trust yourself, don't shrink. And that really helped me even out the big peaks and valleys of my energy and just really trusting what I have to offer and what I believe in terms of professionally and personally in my life. Yeah. It's
0: that self-talk, man. Oh. <laughs> Can be I a help or a
1: hindrance? Totally. Yeah. Absolutely.
0: And the final question, Amber, is what does it mean to you to lead your best life?
1: I think I'm still figuring that all out. I know in learning, it's kind of like the more you know, the more you realize you don't know. Yeah. <laughs> and but I am learning to start weeding out the negative people in my life. And I can say that I haven't had super abusive people in my life in the last, you know, many years at all, but starting to just turn down the volume or turn down the intensity on the time spent with them or on my investment in them, decreasing my expectations of myself and others. I know that that leads me to a better life and having more patience and trusting that things do work out. Yeah. That's been the biggest, especially in the last year and having a baby, starting a business. Things do keep going, they keep working out. Just trusting that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It's been a pleasure.
1: Yeah. Thank you, Victoria, so much. It's been great.